Can you believe it's episode three of the Football Fun Factory podcast already? Before I kick off and introduce today's topic, I've got a small request that would make a big difference to us here at the FFF. For those listening on audio, please can you hit the follow button. On Spotify, you'll find this on the top left of your screen and on Apple Podcasts, you can locate this by the three dots at the top right of your screen. This will make the world of difference to our podcast and will mean that you are notified about future episodes. On today's Football Fun Factory podcast, we will be discussing when children's football should become competitive. It's certainly a subject that splits opinion, with many believing that success and league tables should be recorded from the youngest ages. But surely kids start playing the game purely for enjoyment, and it's the adults that put unnecessary pressure on them to win. As it stands, football becomes competitive from under-12s when results and league tables can be published. FA rules also state that a child cannot play organised football until they've reached their sixth birthday. Children play football for five years before the result is taken into account. Is that right right, or should we be recording results from the get-go and giving the best teams that moment of glory of winning a league or a cup? Child behaviour experts suggest that young children are not ready for competition and aren't ready to handle the stress of winning, losing and being measured on their performance. So a focus on fun and development is the way to go. In my experience, kids all want to win when they play. Of course they do. But the real challenges appear when the coaches on the sideline want to win just as much, which can ruin the whole experience, particularly for the kids on the losing side. So what are we saying on this, guys? Johnny... What have you experienced about our over-competitive environment? So, I've got a really good story, actually. Well, I think it's a good story. So, I went to Germany with Cambridge United, and we played in a tournament. And we were in, I think it was the semis or the quarter final, this under-9s tournament, little 7v7, and played Bayern Munich. And their coach was absolutely lawless. He was behind the goal literally telling the goalie exactly what to do, when to pass, what to play up from the back. And he was like at times on the pitch and it sort of kicked off a little bit. Some of the parents and stuff were disgusted in in how he was controlling the children within the game. The ref then tried to sort of pull him to one side and say that it's unacceptable and just made things worse. So I've seen it in in that environment from a Bayern Munich coach um, I've not seen it loads within grassroots football, luckily, from the, the games that I've sort of seen or be involved in. But I don't know, what, what about you, James? Yeah, I remember similar experiences back in the day, taking uh, kids away on tours, European tournaments. I remember even under fives and under sixes, where it's quite common practice for European coaches to be on the pitch, which is quite different. I've never seen that in the UK, but you're not. I mean, we've yeah. been to Holland and Belgium and places like that, where the coach is literally stood on the pitch moving children around like Sabuti players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> literally grabbing onto their shoulders and go, you go over here um, in Belgium or Dutch. But yeah, so <laughs> so really different um, environments and quite often I do think actually there's probably a bit of a difference with the European approach in ours and perhaps we're a little bit less so from what I've seen. Just a quick one before we move on. Did Bayern Munich win that game that you was there? It's actually Cambridge United. We uh, yeah, got to the final. We actually ended up winning, beating Juventus in the final. Oh, incredible stuff. Okay, enough of that. Let's put this subject on trial. 
Welcome back to Chaddy's Court. If you're listening on audio, I am now dressed up in my usual ridiculous judge's outfit. And we're going to be putting today's subject on trial. I've got two envelopes with two contrasting opinions on when children should start competitive football. I'm going to give one to James, one to Johnny, and they are going to argue their case. Cheers, Luke. Anyone who's listening on the audio, you have to get on the video on YouTube and check out Chaddy's wig. What, you told me that it was on correctly? Yeah, it looks correctly. It's got a little side ponytail going on. Go on then, James. Football should be non-competitive, and even the Premier League should be a festival. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's always good if you can't get through without laughing. Should be a festival where everyone gets a medal... At the end of each game. Interesting. Johnny, is that, how, is that how you got yours, Chad? <laughs> yeah, you won it in a prize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, children should play to win from day one, and coaches should teach children to win at all costs. Interesting stuff, guys. So what I'm going to invite you to do, James, to start with this week, is give us your opening statement. And Johnny, you can question James. Okay. So, football should, of course, be non-competitive throughout whether children are five or six years old, 16 years old, or 32 years <laughs> old. <laughs> and when they play inside these big stadiums, wouldn't it be fantastic at the end of the game if there was a big medal <laughs> presentation and ceremony? So, um, my question to the court today is, have you ever been inside a football stadium where there's a presentation? There's real special moments where end of the season it might be that you've been promoted or you win a trophy well you could literally have that every single week if it was completely non-competitive so just to clarify on that you'd rather the premier league became a festival a festival of football fun yeah and everyone would enjoy themselves have a, a an amazing experience can you imagine seeing the world's greatest players playing with no fear because they're not Concerned whether they're going to win or lose. Can you imagine seeing Haaland play for Man City and not, you know, just trying to shoot from 50 yards out because he might score a screamer. And if it goes in the, in the crowd, then who cares? Because he knows at the end of the game, he's going to get a medal around his neck. Interesting concept. I like it. Johnny, do you want to question James on this um, strange idea he's come up with? <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> so if that's the case, then would football clubs just not sign the likes of me to, to play for them? No, because we're trying to entertain. I'm crowd. very entertaining on a football pitch, James. So no, I think, I think in all seriousness, I truly do believe this statement. And um, <laughs> I think that it, like watching the world's greatest players is fantastic. So when you go along to a Premier League match or you watch an international fixture, it is brilliant, isn't it? When you see that moment of magic... A brilliant skill, fantastic pass, or, or a great goal. I just think that um, in the Premier League, if if these truly great players were playing without any fear of failure whatsoever, then the brilliant skills that we see, little glimpses of here and there, would be would be more on on show, and it would be a showcase. You know, some if you look at um, <laughs> some of the like preseason games. You know, pre-season games. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop, Johnny, do your opening statement. You'll never know. You'll never know what I was going to go on to say. <laughs> it's good. Pre-season. <laughs> the best games. <laughs> They're always the best ones. 
Cool. So my statement is children should play to win from day one. <laughs> Coaches should teach children to win at all costs. Of course, children should be taught to win at all costs. Football is all about winning and losing. That is what makes those award ceremonies, that's what makes winning the trophy at the end of the season so very special. If everyone got a medal, if everyone got a trophy, then winning becomes pointless. Okay, so you're saying, John, that children should play football to win from the youngest age. I am indeed. So from how old? Uh, from day one. From day one. So children come along to Tots Football Fun. Our sessions that take place at the weekend inside an inflatable football pitch should be playing an organised match at the end of the session. And you're saying, as head of delivery here at the Football Fun Factory, <laughs> that you believe that that we should then be recording the score and publishing it on our website to showcase who the winners are, the blue team or the yellow team. I think that's what everyone wants, James. I think that's what the parents want. I think that's what the kids want. Everyone wants to win. And this is a, a fantastic way to showcase it. Okay. So just put yourself in the mindset of a five-year-old child who's attending, uh, uh, playing a match, their first ever football match for their under-16. And at the end of the session, or the end of the game, sorry, the other team score a last-minute winner. They're in floods of tears. They're down on their knees. They've had a terrible experience. They need to learn, James. Do you believe that they need to learn? Okay, well. I think, I think pressure makes diamonds. It's a great so, saying. Yeah. It's a great so, saying. I think that's all we need to know. Okay, let me <laughs> summarise this because it's been a strange week. I'm, I've got a Premier League winner's medal here to supposedly award to one of you for these two of the most ridiculous statements I've ever heard. There's going to be no winner this week. I am going to close the court. No one wins. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so a rather shambolic chat is caught today. I think you both agree. Absolutely, yeah. Ridiculous yeah, the statements were difficult to uh, justify. To argue the point on. So what are we really thinking? Let's have a serious conversation about this. What do you reckon, John? Uh, I think there should be an element. And I think, once again, it sort of always comes back to balance, isn't it? And finding the right balance. I think children as young as five, six years old, it shouldn't be competitive. Um, but because, like you said in your when you introduced the podcast today, Chaddy, that children all want to win. No one will go to a game wanting to lose. So there will be an element of that competitive edge to the game and it will still create a worthwhile environment and match for the children. But I think when you make it um, high pressure by making the results at the end and having a league table for children as young as sort of five, six years old, it probably does put the coach in a position where there is a bit more pressure on them, which will then then lead to them making some maybe poor decisions, actually not focusing on fun and development. So I think within the youngest age groups, it should be festival, as you mentioned earlier on, James. It should be fun. In the Premier League. (laughs) Maybe not in the Premier League. (laughs) And then I I think then as it gets into the older age groups, 10, 11, 12, as it it currently is. So do you think the FA have got it spot on at the moment, how it is with it becoming competitive for... Uh, under 12, do you think that's about right? Yeah, I think so. I think there will be elements of it being competitive and when they're 10-11 anyway, and you don't need to publish the score, there, there doesn't need to be a trophy at the end of it. They play tournaments in the summer, so they get that sort of element and that taste of it. I know it's then still a festival, but the coaches, I'm sure, will still record their scores to see where they're at and the, the children are at and the development they've made. But I think, yeah, 12 seems like a, a sensible age. As they go into secondary school, they've got better understanding of 
how to deal with sort of failure and, and those types of things. I guess my, my thoughts would go to what the children want because ultimately you should try and let them guide how the game is managed. You can take a group of adults, parents, coaches, whatever, and we can make all these big decisions around when schools yeah. should be published. But it'd be really interesting to take a group of children at six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. My, my years guess old. would be that they'd want it to be like that because children want to play, don't they? They, want to, mm. they, they all want to win when they play. They want it, it to be competitive, but taking sort of the results away, the, them getting published, it does kind of make it not so serious. But in my mind, a child would want it to be... So you think if you gave the, the kids a choice, they, yeah. would, they would say even the sort of seven, eight-year-olds would be like, yeah, we want to be in a league, we want to... 100% I think that. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because I guess, yeah, quite often people don't always know what they want, especially children. That, and, yeah. and if you give them that choice. And I think... Um, that that is one of the big things, though, isn't it? Is the is the coaches and and the impact that they can have, and taking that chill, that taking that choice effectively away, and and being driven by the coaches. But it's it's going to be driven a lot by what the coaches say to the children, isn't it? Yeah, so I, if I it, just sorry, go on. No, it's just going to say they they when if we if a coach in even in a under sevens game going to say we need to go out and win today, yeah, irrespective of whether the score's published or whether there's a league table or not that message is going to filter through to how the children think and feel about their football participation. I'm just not really sure of the benefits of going and publishing the scores online at those younger age groups. I think the children will, will want it to be competitive, as you said. Like, I don't know why they need to be published online. Surely it's only the coaches' egos, isn't it, really, yeah. of, of publishing to say that here's the score, we won this game, we're this position in the league. Yeah. I can't imagine that the kids are going to be want to be logging on at seven years old to to see where they are. I don't know. I think I think the the thought process of taking score and making a note of it, so you can then track progress, and you then potentially can uh, position children against like other teams of equal ability and that type of thing. There's benefit in doing so in that, and when you then obviously have top of the table, they're playing each other and, and things like that. You know, then you're going into that type of test, and maybe like if you were top of the league, you're about to play bottom in the league, you can speak to the coach beforehand and maybe say, right, do you want to use an extra player this week so it's more even and more of a fair challenge? But I think that's the only benefit, in my do, opinion. Do you think there's a benefit to like game game scenarios where, for example, it's 2-2 two, two going into the last 10 minutes? Obviously, everyone kind of knows what the score is, but I'm just trying to think of like situations where it's beneficial to be in a sort of game scenario, like trying to get come back into the game or trying to play out and, and not, not to lose. to get the buy-in for that, though, because I think there is so much incredible work that goes on in grassroots football, but at the same time, you do, just by walking across a park on a Saturday, Sunday morning, a lot of coaches that are desperate to win the game, and I think that's what we spoke about briefly at the start. That's a massive challenge, isn't it? Because that's when it affects... The children who obviously want to win, but when the coach wants to win just as much, that's a nightmare, isn't it? Here's, here's a question for you two then. So you've got players, so children, you've got parents of the children, and you've got the coach. So if you rank them from number one being most, two and three to least, in what order does winning matter? So who, who wants to win the most and who wants to win the I think least? The easiest answer to that is if 
number one is the children, then nothing else really matters because that's the most important. If a coach or a parent wants to win more than a child, I think that's when it's a problem. John? Great answer, what Luke said. <laughs> no, I think that's spot on. I think that's where the environment, when a parent or a coach wants to win more than the children, that's when it becomes over-competitive. That's what we st- spoke about at the start. That's where that can't happen. The environment can't be win at all costs from, driven from the coach. You can't be teaching under sevens and under eights the time waste and get it in the corner and, and like foul people on purpose and that type of stuff. That's not the values that we want to teach in these young children and not the football that we want to promote. And I think that's, that's what's really important, that that doesn't happen when it becomes over-competitive and that will ultimately come from the parent or the, or the coach more often than not anyway. What's, what's your experience, obviously growing up, a hugely talented young player in the Kings Lynn area playing grassroots <laughs> football. What, what was it like with you growing up playing football? Was it a league table, all the results were recorded? Yeah, I, I think... So I actually got into football, um, despite my high talent level, I actually got into football quite late. And I was like year six at school, um, played for the school team and then played for a grassroots team from like 11 years old. Okay. So that would probably be the kind of age group where you would then, you would record the score. So I didn't really take part in organised football, structured football in those younger age groups. Um, But then I think back to my coaching experience and when I was a 16-year-old football coach, because that's when I started, and I did want to win. I was was keen to win. And and I was young and naive, and I'm sure we all look back on our early coaching experiences, but... We had there were there were two leagues at that time, so things must have changed because they remember we had an, an A and a B team. Yeah. So great if you're in the B team, you don't feel great about that, do you? Yeah, Eight years yeah. old or whatever. Um, and I took, I wanted to take the B team because I wanted to try and do really well with them and take them from like the not so good players to the better players, which yeah. is good. But then I remember we were in this. We had like some friendly fixtures with the A team. And I was desperate to beat the 80. <laughs> and like all the kids so then. That, so that was a problem. It was a problem because it rubbed off on all the kids. Yeah. And, and, and you, you wanted that's to win more said. than the... 100% yeah. I did. Uh, yeah, And it was that. my ego and my arrogance that yeah, it was yeah. then I wanted to go and do that. I also, with then, there were two or three of us coaches that were all young lads. And I wanted to beat because my mate was yeah. taking the A-team. So I wanted to beat him so I could have a bit of banter and yeah, things yeah. like that. So my intentions okay I was volunteering my time 16 year old lad there's there's, there's much worse things you can be <laughs> out there doing at that age than, than volunteering your time to go and coach football my intentions were quite completely warped looking back I had yeah. no idea at the time obviously and it's only life experience that really teaches you those things but and I guess you know that's that's for a number of different reasons that's where coaches are naive yeah it might be because of their age might be because of their experience so I think there's a number of reasons why you can, you can kind of get it wrong. When I first started playing football for under nines, when grassroots football started when I was a kid, it was straight onto a full-size pitch, <laughs> full-size goals. We were eight years old and it was all a proper league. And I absolutely loved that. Mm. And I remember being one of the better teams, scoring lo- loads of goals. And we played a team called Hitchin Rangers and we won 29 nil. And I scored 13 goals and I was absolutely buzzing. But no thought of these other kids. That, I mean, yeah. what, it done absolutely no good for us in terms of 
becoming better footballers or better yeah. people. And the other team just got beat 29-0, but I didn't care. I was a child. I've just scored 13 yeah, yeah. goals. I was filling my boots. And at the very end of the season, we had a cup final at Royston Town Football Club. And I remember it to this day because I felt like we had to win that game. And the pressure as a eight, nine-year-old child was just too much. Yeah. I ended up saying to my mum on the side of the pitch that I'd hurt myself when I hadn't. And she told the manager and I went off the pitch because wow. it, it just felt too important. And obviously yeah. I'm, like I say, nine years old. And it's interesting to see how the structures change. There, when you spoke about the start, sort of children's behaviour experts saying children aren't able to deal with winning, losing and being judged on performance. And that was certainly the case in my experience growing up. I don't know, what it, you're obviously a little bit younger than me, John. Was it under 12 when you started? Not that young. Um, to be fair, I, I don't actually remember. I think when I used to play on a Saturday or a Sunday, by the afternoon, I'd sort of forgotten what the score was. I think back to my nephew now, who's under five, uh, he's, or under six, he's just started playing. Um, and if I see him maybe later in the, the afternoon or something after he's played that morning, I'll go like, oh, how did you get on today? Did you have fun? All the sort of typical questions that I'd ask. I don't think he'd know the score no. if I asked him. And I don't think like he'd then go, oh, mum, what was the score? And she might then, oh, I don't know, I'll go check with the coach or whatever, or says she doesn't know. And I think that's, that probably tells you everything you need to know. The, the children in the moment, of course they want to win. Of course they want to score goals. Of course they... That's the whole point of football, isn't it? And the objective of the game is to, to score more goals than the other team. But publishing it online, and, and I, just, I just think that creates this over-competitive environment that you want to try and avoid. To caveat that, I do think variety is key. And I think variety is key with so much or so many elements of coaching. And actually, if there were times throughout the year where you do have little tournaments or little festivals for the majority of the year and most of the time it is non-competitive and then you do have environments occasionally where it is competitive probably not at the six seven eight I mean, years old what that, surely that would make no difference really that'd still be for the coaches the ego like that surely like you said to the kids it doesn't it doesn't matter they forgot the score by the end of it i don't know so if you're going to do it for a certain period of time why not just because I think the whole time. Because I think of the the variety the variety that you get from it. If the majority of the season and they play the whole season and it's non competitive, they don't publish the scores, they do a round robin and they play everyone in the season, and then they go to like a tournament for one weekend and they get all the teams from the the local area that then play against each other and there is then a winners and, and losers, then I guess you do have the opportunity to teach the children different skills, you have the opportunity to help them win and lose and, and deal with that sort of setback or if, they, guess, if they do lose. I guess as well it's kind of scaling up, right? So if you go from completely non-competitive, we're not recording the scores, we haven't got any league tables for a number of years and then you yeah. go into suddenly it's competitive, then that's quite a big shift, isn't it? I think there has to be some sort of competition because ultimately winning and losing is, is a part of life, right? And there is an age where Winning and losing is important and learning to lose, yep. learning to win. There's all sorts of benefits from those from that age of 11, 12 years old. I think there is a bit of a debate around what age is that? Is it 9, 10, 11? Is it 13? Yep. But ultimately, whenever the age is right and when it does become competitive, there are huge, advan huge advantages advantages to, to then getting into competitive sport. 
But are the children not learning that anyway from the start? Because obviously they know what the score is. They know if they've won and lost, regardless of whether the, the score is getting recorded or published online or anything. Yeah, I think it just heightens it, doesn't it? Because if it is published online, if there is a league table, and if everyone is talking about whether you won, lost or drew each week, it, it just brings winning to the fore, I guess. And ultimately... If then there are talented children and they do want to progress, then they are going to need a bit of a winner's mentality to then become as a 16, 17, 18 year old player and certainly as a, as a senior player, you, you've developed, you know, you played at some football clubs where you then played at the highest level where winning was literally everything, literally everything. I mean, my question for you would be, was there ever a point in time where you stopped enjoying football because of, because of that, because the did the pressure of winning ever get too much for you as a player? No, I don't think winning was ever that important to me. Obviously, I was incredibly fortunate and grateful to have played for a club that won most week for a week, sorry, for a small period of time. But I was always quite selfish in the fact of it was about me. If I've done well, then that's going to keep me in the team. It's going to keep me playing. So I never would get too up and down about winning. I think as a child... It means more because you you want to win with your mates. There's no better feeling than winning with your friends as a, I don't know, a secondary school winning a cup final at the Abbey Stadium in year 10, year 11, whatever it was. That, they were probably the most proud feelings of, of winning. I think when it goes into a professional environment and playing professionally, the, the school, obviously I'd want to win, but the school, I wouldn't get too up or down about the results did you, did you see that with any of your teammates at all? Did others take the same approach or were there certain players that, you know, were really affected by the result? Yeah, I think some players had to win. That was all that it was about, sort of winning games of football, which I think can then sort of cloud your experience of the whole thing, really, because there's loads of good things that can come out of a game, whether you win, lose or draw, really. There's loads of developmental opportunities from that. But I think... When you are in professional football, it is, of course, a results-driven industry. Yeah, yeah. You've got to win, otherwise people lose their jobs. Yep. You get sold, like people move on and whatnot. But I think in my case, it was it was always about looking after myself in terms of performance. Didn't always work like, but that was what I would try and do. And then the result was the result. Okay, so... To summarise then, if you, if you could choose the age that we said, we think probably the FA have got it pretty much bang on. Yeah. Do, if you could choose the age, John, what would you say where where winning becomes a, a thing? So I think uh, for me, I think like you said, I think the FA have got this right uh, as it currently stands. Um, I'd probably look to introduce some sort of competitions and tournaments and, and a more competitive environment at some point, maybe slightly younger as well, like 10, 11 years old. Um, but I think the... For a whole season, it's important to be not super competitive, not logging scores, because I think that will then negatively affect their, their experiences. Yeah, I'm in agreement in terms of what the FA are obviously done their homework, know the, the, the reasons why this is the case. And I would probably allude to, to what you've said, John. I think under 12s is a, a good time. Children moving up secondary school, like you say, growing resilience, learning how to win and lose, which is such a hugely, hugely important skill to learn. So I don't want to be boring, but I'll stick with what the FA is saying. I can't I disagree, sure. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately not. No, I think I think um I think it's about right. 
um, maybe a, a year or two could shift either way. You could argue for, but yeah. I always my thoughts always go to why would a child a child stop playing football? And one of the reasons why a child might stop playing football is because it gets too serious, too pressured. Don't and and winning and losing and score lines and league tables and last game of the season. Whoever wins this match is is you know wins the wins the league and whatever. That's just where it heightens the emotion. You think back to previous podcast episodes, heightens the emotion, thinks about you know the parents on the sidelines and kind of brings out the worst potentially of ke- of coaches and parents. And that's where then, where you, where you look at that top three of children first and then, then, then comes the coach, then comes the parents. I think that's the order in which things need to go. So I think that it's really important that that yeah, there's that period of time where children can just express themselves and their early childhood football experiences are all about enjoyment. So that's why we do what we do, isn't it, at the Football Fun Factory? But I think that's why the FA have got it pretty much bang on with this one. Fantastic stuff. Okie dokie, it's time for some listeners' questions. I've got the phone out and I'll start with you, John. My child plays for an under-9s team and just recently has lost his confidence after a few heavy defeats. How can I help him find it again? Carl, great question. I think that then comes back and links into the topic this week quite nicely. Probably too competitive, too much um, pressure on the scoreline, and that's obviously knocking their confidence. I think it's really important for the coach to give children some very achievable targets uh, to, to try and get out in the game so it might be number of tackles number of passes something that they know they they know that they will complete that's something I've tried to do in the past so then the, the children have these individual targets um, that are based on effort and not necessarily on the outcome I think when you base it on effort everyone can then achieve that because it's within their control um, so that's one thing I would try and do is set them a, an individual challenge I think the other thing that a coach can do is link in with um, the other teams that they're about to play ahead of ahead of time or speak to them before the game and say, depending on what the score is, can we look to change the numbers on the pitch? So can we look to add an extra player in if our team's getting heavily beat? And I think that will then make the, the game tighter and therefore hopefully not knock the, the child's confidence if they are having those, those heavy defeats. Yeah, I think if there's um, a parent who's got a child who's who's um, suffering a bit with their confidence. This is making sure that the coach is aware as well. Yeah. Sometimes um, sometimes people can suffer in silence a little bit, go and confide in their mum and dad and say, oh, I'm not really enjoying it at the moment. I think it's it's your sort of duty as a parent to, to go in there and make the, the coach aware of that. They may well be, they may be able to see from their body yeah. language, but I think just having a quiet word with the coach and saying, look, bit of a, sometimes it's really as simple as a little bit of positive praise, a little bit of, positive feedback to the child and a big well done yep. you know a big high five when they come off the pitch at the end of the game really making that child feel special can suddenly turn the corner so it yeah, can be as simple as that sometimes I think it's always a nice one what I've done with my children is to to play with them out in the garden as well and just sort of have fun that's the reason why you, you play football isn't it at that age and it's really tough when you have a couple of heavy defeats but I think it's just reminding your own children that doesn't really matter that much and if you're enjoying yourself having fun that is the main thing okay who was your favorite coach as a youth player and why what influence have they had on your life good question i've got four or five we ain't got that (laughs) bring it down to one Uh, but there, there are four or five coaches that stand out for me that when i was younger that just made football 
really fun and enjoyable and made me laugh when they were coaching. I don't remember what they taught me necessarily. Just remember that you used to love going, love listening to them, love love being at their sessions. And I think a lot, I was really fortunate that a lot, maybe all of the, my sort of youngest, when I was youngest, like going through the, the age groups, I was really blessed with some fantastic coaches that made me fall in love with football and sort of brings me where I'm here today, involved in football, trying to inspire coaches up and down the country to, to make football fun. Fantastic. I had a, a guy called Norman, and he was about 60 years old at the time, and he just introduced me to football, and I'll always be thankful for that. He, I remember when I then started coaching a few years later, I came back and coached in the same club, and he, I'd gone off and done some coaching courses and he was like mesmerised by like the fact that I was doing like structured sessions and things because what we did in his training sessions is a really passionate volunteer but it was looking back at it, it probably wasn't all that great and I think even he would admit that but I always just thought of him so fondly because he was, you know, this guy was giving up his time as so many do within the grassroots game, absolutely loved it, you know, and he'd he'd had kids and they'd grown up and they'd stopped playing or whatever and, and, you know, weren't playing grassroots football, but he was still there and he'd been at the club for like 15 years and I just thought, wow, like your motives and intentions are absolutely epic. So to do that and to give up literally hours and hours and hours of your time to facilitate football for children for the good of their enjoyment, I think, is just absolutely brilliant. And the, the grassroots game is full of absolute heroes like that. Yeah, 100%. I think I'm very similar. It would be my first two coaches when I ever started playing football, Colin Barnard and Martin Winter. I still remember them to this day. And I think that's when you know you've had an incredibly inspirational first coach when you're mm. as old as I am now. I won't <laughs> mention how old I am, but you still remember them to this day. And it's, so, it's like you say, so much fantastic work goes on in grassroots football. One last question, to come away from that slightly. If each of you could change one thing about grassroots football, what would it be and why? James, to you. If I could change one thing, it would be uh, to educate the coaches a little bit more, just about the, um, the kind of the ethos of the game and... I always come back to the same thing, what they can do to keep children playing the game for longer. I just feel there's so much wastage in football. And I always caveat everything I say that's slightly negative about the grassroots game because it is facilitated by thousands of volunteers who do give up their time unpaid to do something that they love and to facilitate an environment for children to love the game. But sometimes inadvertently, their own ego potentially um, of being a football manager um, they might see themselves as pep on the sidelines but actually they're just a parent they are just a parent yeah. that's there to facilitate the game so all of their focus in my eyes should be on creating the environment and sometimes the environment isn't quite right and that can be for a number of reasons but all of that comes back to education so I think there's a there's a bit of a need for continually educating parents and coaches um, but I think coaches are, are the ones that really drive that environment that's created for children playing the game. Johnny? Great question. I'd probably go increase in funding that is available to grassroots teams so that children and families didn't have to pay for it, so it was completely free. Um, and 
then a bit more funding in like things like qualifications and education around that as well to support with the, the coaches delivery because there are so many fantastic volunteers but like coaching qualifications getting trained can be expensive um, so trying to make that sort of free and, and available to everyone I think I would go with not one word of criticism should be aimed towards a referee or officials in any game I think it's awful at times and the, the game is losing so many referees these young people that want to give up their time have the opportunity to, to referee games and they just have enough of had enough of it by a couple of games in and I think it's something that that has to change across the board to give both the children a better sort of understanding of how referees and officials should be should be spoke to and also to keep more referees in the game and on the pathway so that's my one but thank you so much for joining us again today on the football fun factory podcast we'll be back with another episode really soon.